This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 52. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello, my little hobbitses. Um, I realize we already had an episode on mindfulness. That was Strong Mindfulness with um, Ryan Nemec, a wonderful interview that I enjoyed a lot. However, what we didn't get to do in that interview was to cover all the bases. And that's what I'm trying to do today. Today, we're talking about really fundamental stuff. So let's jump right in. What is mindfulness? Well, according to John Kabat-Zinn, who is the guy who actually popularized uh, mindfulness in the West, the definition is that mindfulness means to pay attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. And before we dive into that, we kind of have to look at what the untrained mind is. And with the untrained mind, I mean the mind that's not trained in mindfulness and meditation. All right. So that's also often referred to as our autopilot or when we're being a little bit mindless, which if we're honest, is probably most of the time. Now, the autopilot, before I start talking about it, it's actually really helpful in a lot of situations. And the autopilot we used, we use it to kind of, how shall I put this? Well, they're generalized rules of thumb we are often not even aware of, but that we use to decide how to react. And if we didn't have these rules of thumb, these shortcuts, so to speak, life would be really kind of hard because we would always be thinking about, you know, thinking anew about how to brush our teeth and and what to have for breakfast and what to think about anything the first, you know, as if we are encounter it for the first time. So autopilot is really quite helpful. It was, it's something that is tremendously useful, actually. However, in some situations, it's not that we're, you know, not so helpful because we're not being able to be aware to what's happening. So we are at a certain place, but we're not really taking in what's happening. And therefore, a little bit more control over this autopilot would be helpful because it doesn't mean we're not trying to turn the autopilot off all right it's not about being like some kind of zen master every minute of every day all the time no what we're trying to do is just that we have a choice that we don't slip into mindlessness without even noticing it and just spending most of our life actually in that frame of mind all right. So the untrained mind is mostly thinking about what has already happened or worrying about what is going to happen. And that makes it hard to pay attention to what's actually happening right at this moment in front of you. Our brain has to deal with 126 inputs a second. That is 7,560 per minute and 37,800 in five minutes. So you see the autopilot, it's kind of a good thing because if we would evaluate all those things, we would just explode. So the overwhelming majority of what is actually happening, we don't pay attention to. And that's a good thing. 
it's not about paying attention to more of these pieces of information, but to relate to our mind as a whole in a different way. Now, there are certain aspects which make up mindfulness. Mindfulness, first and foremost, is awareness. It involves being curious about what's actually going on in our mind and observing it, you know, like a detached scientist. Instead of always just running around like a crazy monkey inside of our mind, we're just leaning back, put some imaginary glasses on if you want, take this notebook, and if you want to, just, you know, scratch your thin, your chin thoughtfully and just make some notes. What's going on? What do I see is going through my mind right now? And this includes becoming more aware of our tendency to go on autopilot, basically. And it also helps us to slow down so we can pay better attention to what is actually happening right now. It's also important that this is not just about something you do for five or ten minutes a day. It's actually, mindfulness is kind of a lifestyle, although if you're just dipping your toes into it, don't think about the lifestyle aspect at all, because I think it might be a little bit intimidating. But in general, it's actually, it is a lifestyle and it is something that we can approach everything we do with mindfulness if we choose to. But even if we don't, we're probably better off practicing it. Um, mindfulness than if we don't. It helps us to decenter from our thoughts so that we can rate, relate to our own thoughts and interpretations as something that is temporary and just passing through our mind. And they often compare, and with they, I mean, you know, meditation teachers, they often refer to our thoughts like clouds. You know, they're there, sometimes they're there for a long time, but eventually they go away. All right. So, by being able to step out of that roaring river that is those, you know, 126 inputs a second, we gain insight and clarity and we rejoin the action in a better state of mind. And that's the intention. It's not to be on pause all the time. It's just that we take a step back so that we can actually afterwards re-engage with what's happening in a different frame of mind. And instead of resisting what we observe in our mind, we learn to allow thoughts and feelings, even if they're unpleasant. And the reason this is helpful is that it's often the resistance to negative feeling and thoughts that makes them so powerful. If we wouldn't run away, if you know, if you have a negative thought and you're like, ah, negative thought, then you're tr kind of trying to evade it immediately. And, you know, ideally you just, I don't know, watch TV, but in, you know, more sinister circumstances, you might try to dull those thoughts with alcohol or something that's even worse for you so these negative thoughts they can still really really suck but if you learn to decenter the way that meditation and mindfulness teaches you to you do know that they will pass and therefore they don't have this power to intimidate you as much and you can actually just sit with them and even interrogate them and ask them well what are you trying to protect me from? What are you trying to alert me to? And it's not about what we think, but how we relate to our thoughts and feelings in general. So that's basically what mindfulness is about. Now, there are a couple of misunderstandings, and I would like to talk about those because I think they keep a lot of people from practicing these things. Number one is 
I should have an empty mind. Now, I have no clue where this comes from, why people keep saying this, but this is not the case. This is like, you're not trying to, you know, shake the clouds out of the sky. You're just trying to look at the sky to understand what's going on in your mind. That might have the effect that, you know, things get slowed down and maybe occasionally, who knows, you might have a moment of uninterrupted bliss kind of, you know, time but that's not what it's about it's not if you if you sit down and say i can't have an empty mind and then you give up that's that's kind of i don't know it's it's like trying to like play the piano and then like after two minutes decide that you can't do it that's basically the same thing i mean you need practice then another misunderstanding is that you know effects require hour-long meditations in the lotus position Forget the position, forget about, you know, your ideal like meditation cushion and all that. It doesn't really matter. As I heard someone say, tush on the cush. That's all that you need. Your ass needs to be down there just sitting and that's all you need. You don't need fancy equipment or any of that. And you don't need to do it for hours and hours. We're not monks, most of us. And even if you do it for 10 minutes a day, to really really see some effects although of course if you're sitting there anxiously waiting for those effects chances are you might slow yourself down a bit another misunderstanding is that it's about some mystical epiphany or some transcendent moment where you i don't know touch the eternal whatever and it can be that you know i'm i'm not saying that these things are impossible But really, I'm not approaching this, at least right now, from a spiritual point of view. This is really about getting people who are anxious and stressed out and who feel that they could benefit from slowing down a bit, from being kinder to themselves and to other people, to just sit down and meditate and practice mindfulness so it's not really about waiting for some epiphany although that can happen you know and i'm happy for you if it happens but the downside of it is that you might sit and expect it to happen all the time and meditation experiences are different every time so forget about that epiphany if it happens to you that's great but you know just please forget about it Some people also think it's religious, and of course it has religious roots. You know, the more mystical branches of religion, such as the Sufi tradition in Islam, the Kabbalah in Judaism, or Taoism, all use some sort of mindfulness and meditation techniques. However, we don't need to include any of that to benefit from mindfulness practice. So if you're an atheist um, or an agnostic, or you just, you know, think that traditional religions suck, that doesn't mean that you can't engage with meditation and mindfulness. Also, some people think it's only for a particular type of people who can do it. And that's basically <laughs> uh, one of my lecturers at the University of East London. His name is um, Itai Ifsan. And he said that's basically like going on a date with one guy and then just deciding that you, that you don't like guys that you're into girls and you know maybe you are into girls but but that's just you know or the opposite but you know one guy is really not that the measure for that you know so 
if you are not the kind of person who can sit and you don't have this expectation of doing your empty mind, but you feel really crappy sitting, try walking meditation. Try, there are lots of other things you can do. You can do it while you're trying to cook. You can do it while you're running. There are many ways. So if for some reason the sitting down doesn't appeal to you, if listening to your breath doesn't appeal to you and you just, or you try it and you know just it's not working, well, there are lots of different ways to do it. So don't just give up on that because of that. Then one is the, you know, I don't have time. Now, a lot of CEOs do this. A lot of really famous people who are way busier than most of us are find 10 minutes to do it. And the reason is that these 10 minutes are, or 20 minutes are an investment that if you are less stressed, if you're more relaxed, chances are you will save those 10 or 20 minutes several times over each day so you're not running around like a headless chicken basically and if you stop doing that you might find that you suddenly have more time in other areas of your life as a result of these things all right and then one problem is also that some people feel that, oh, I, I don't feel instant relief, so I'm doing it wrong or it's pointless. Well, you know, in a time where we can get everything instantly with apps and, you know, Amazon and all of these things, we are not used to wait for stuff anymore. And, you know, like Barney Stinson said, just wait for it, seriously. Um, and don't wait for it in terms of like waiting as in when are the effects going to happen participate in the exercise fully and as a scientist you know not don't be like oh when am i going to be happier but just like what's going on right now huh that's interesting oh i feel that itch hmm what now all right now that itch is gone fine you know and, and if you really concentrate on the exercise as much as you can eventually something good will happen but you know it's going to be different for every person when that is so please don't just you know quit it if you've tried it like two times and you don't feel any effects and finally some people might think that meditation is the only way to train mindfulness and it's the most famous way but I would argue that it's not the only way because as we discussed in definition, mindfulness is awareness. And whenever we are curiously and openly aware of the present moment and accept what is going on without needing to judge, we are practicing mindfulness. You know, and as I've said on a couple of episodes, maybe for me, my biggest training in mindfulness was not meditation. It was actually trying to kind of learn to become or see the world as a writer does and that's what's changed from me being you know an autopilot most of the time to still being on autopilot but definitely less to noticing more about the world that's going on around me and that's because I wanted to become a better writer you know and maybe for you it's painting Maybe for you it's sports because while you're doing sports you have to be extremely mindful to what's going on at this moment where is the ball where are my teammates and all of that so really if if you've tried meditation let's say for you know i don't know for for any amount of time and it doesn't work that doesn't mean you can't be mindful 
maybe just give it a little rest try to see if you're already practicing mindfulness in a different context and then just do more of it then so what are the mindful uh, the benefits like why would we even think about doing more of this well i'd like to think about it their physical benefits and their psychological benefits so physical ones i haven't written out everything because there's been a tremendous amount of research. If you're interested, just Google it, meditation research. And um, I'm just picking out a couple of them. And among others, they have, men- they have measured that people who regularly meditate have an improved immune, s- immune system. They have lower blood pressure. And uh, they once did an experiment with residents of an old people's home who practiced meditation. And those who did, they actually lived longer than those who did relaxation or no training at all and they also found that with a special skin uh, skin condition called uh, psoriasis that the people who meditated they recovered faster so that's quite interesting isn't it that it's not just something we're training the mind but it has physical implications on the body now there are of course also lots of psychological benefits and among them are an increased emotional balance there's more compassion and self-compassion of course more emotional awareness and other kinds of awareness there is an increased sensitivity towards other people people are generally happier they have higher job satisfaction better decision making they have even shown that in companies they have an improved safety culture at work which is particularly important if you work in a big company like for example Alcoa or something or if you know if the processes are done wrong people can just you know lose their limbs or die so improved safety culture is pretty important there is um, improved conflict resolution there's less stress within the context of trauma there's motivation increased motivation and increased creativity and one that I particularly like although I I just heard about that one I didn't see the reference for it was that um Somebody told me that he did work with a client. And basically what happened was that as a result of, I think, their nurses or their... It was definitely something to do with healthcare. They got sued 80%, 80% less than before they, when they, when, you know, when the staff had not been trained in meditation. And I mean, that's huge. So this is not just, you know, some touchy-feely, idealistic thing. This is actually big, big bucks for companies which recognize these benefits and take advantage of them. It also helps with, you know, achieving other positive phenomena. So, for example, mindfulness can help people contribute to the experience of flow. Now, flow is basically when you are so focused on a task that you completely lose track of time and you're completely absorbed by it and you're you're maybe not even feeling any particular emotions but then suddenly you wake up and you're like what it's dark outside how how did that happen and that's something that if people practice mindfulness they're more likely to experience flow and flow in turn is something that's been associated with all different kinds of other good things it can help us use the principles of learned optimism now if you're interested in that just check back to episode number nine 
where we talked about how we can cultivate optimism. And in order to be able to catch ourselves and the thoughts we have and the consequences of these thoughts, we have to be aware of them. And, and mindfulness really helps with that. And mindfulness has also been associated with certain character strengths like self-control, integrity, bravery, perspective, citizenship, and social intelligence. So as you see, the research is pretty strong, you know, and the benefits are huge. Now, how do we develop mindfulness? Well, first of all, let's think about some helpful conditions. It's definitely helpful to have quiet surroundings. That doesn't mean that you have to go to the cellar or yell at everybody who comes and talks to you basically just means that especially when you're starting out it helps if you are in quiet surroundings although you don't need them once you're trained a little bit you can probably meditate even if something else is going on you should be in a comfortable position so if you can't do you know that lotus pretzel thing just don't do it because otherwise you'll be just thinking about how much your legs are hurting and how inflexible you are and that's not really what mindfulness the time the practice is for and it's also helpful to have a willingness to constantly redirect your attention so that means that our minds they naturally stray they naturally we are not used to focusing our concentration on our breath for 10 minutes most of us are not you know so once you know, so within those 10 minutes we will stray quite a bit and we need the willingness to not you know be angry with ourselves but just be like all right come back now that's fine what happened what's happening to the breath right now and just do that over and over again in terms of timing it's important to well if you want to give this a try it's definitely helpful if you have a formal daily practice so that means you know one of my favorite meditation teachers is Andy Puddicombe from headspace.com and he talked about I'm not sure if it was his quote or somebody else's but it was definitely in his book and he talked about weaving your parachute every day but not as you are preparing to jump out of the plane and that's something that I've explained basically saying like you don't want the fire brigade to come to your house while it's burning and then pull out a manual you know the dummy's guide to to putting out fires that's that they should learn that shit before before they come to your house and that's the same with meditation a lot of people start it when they're down and that's understandable and it probably if they keep at it even if they're down it should probably help however it's maybe not the best timing to do it then because that's when you actually need the benefits of mindfulness which you haven't cultivated yet so if you are feeling kind of neutral or even good that's the perfect time to start although of course it's always better to start than not to start you could also theoretically just use it whenever you need it and that's kind of the aspirin approach so whenever you have some kind of ache you just try to take 10 minutes out of your day and do it and you know that's fine but you probably will not get the same benefits like all the benefits that we talked about they were for regular meditators now i refer to meditation quite a lot so there are different kinds the most famous kind of meditation is called mindfulness meditation you focus on something like your breath 
And every time you notice that your mind has wandered, you gently ask it to return to the focus. And I have heard many people say that in the beginning, by themselves, meditation does not work that well. So therefore, I do suggest that you get your hands on some kind of guided audio meditation. So you can Google that. Um, Or you can even attend a meditation group. As I said, headspace.com also works for quite a few people. I've heard a few friends, you know, coming back to me and saying they're really enjoying it. Now, meditation, no, let me start that again. Mindfulness is clearly not just about meditation. Meditation enables us to use mindfulness in the rest of our daily life. So, The spirit of mindfulness should not be limited to the meditation practice. When walking, you can, for example, try to pay attention to the soles of your feet and how each body part contributes to you walking. Eating is another good opportunity to slow down. Try to taste where, where on your tongue you feel different sensations. So where exactly do you feel the bitter? Where exactly do you feel the sweet? And I actually, to be honest, I'm not, I love savoring food, but but I'm, I'm maybe a little bit too impatient for like eating mindfully all the time. But just last, you know, just a couple of days ago, like three or four days ago, I gave it a try. And I had this, you know, awesome risotto with, with salmon and, and cooked in a lemon kind of, you know, gravy thing. And it had lots of vegetables in it, you know. And man, I, I it took me like 35 minutes to eat it. But I I think I'll never forget that meal because every spoon was different. Like some of it had onions on it, some of it didn't. Some of it had, you know, what was the consistency of the rice? What was the the taste of the salmon, you know, on the inside, on the outside, it was different. And man, I definitely will never forget that meal then you can also actively listen to what people are saying to you and also to what they're not saying. That's also being mindful, not thinking about your own issues or only thinking about how you will respond to what they're saying, but actually really trying to pay attention. And that's also mindfulness. And when you talk that you try to be really kind of you know you you really want to be deliberate in the words you choose and i'm not advocating that you do all these things all the time but if you every once in a while you when you think about it try just see what happens again i love this approach of the experimenter so it's not like i'm i'm not saying i'm right and you're wrong i'm just saying try it try what happens when you eat a little bit more mindfully try what happens when you listen more carefully, try what happens when you choose your words a little bit more deliberately and see what happens. Then there's also something called the five minutes a day exercise. And you basically answer the following questions. What thoughts are running through my mind right now? And if you want, you can pause this podcast and think about this. How are these thoughts affecting me? What emotions can I feel right now? 
where in my body am I experiencing and experiencing these emotions? And how is my body reacting to this? That's one easy exercise that you can do. You can do it once a day or several times a day, whatever works for you. I don't advocate that people try to do too much, especially because some people do too much and then they burn out. So just take it easy. Take it, you know, start slow. Unless you're the kind of person who knows that you get bored by that approach. In that case, take on all of these exercises at once. All right. Then there's the four-step model. And basically it focuses on these aspects. And this is during walking meditation. All right. So... The idea is basically the four steps are knowledge, purposeful awareness, inclusive and authentic attention, and non-judgmental acceptance, all right? And of course, you can use these things. I mean, I talked about walking, so I just wanted to illustrate that you can use it while you're doing something else than sitting and doing a regular mindfulness meditation. But of course, you can do it however you want, okay? So the knowledge part means you do need to know a little bit um, to um, understand the basic concepts and practice of mindfulness. And I would say, once this podcast is over, you've covered already step one of ste- of these four steps. All right. Then the second is purposefulness. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry. <laughs> Purposeful awareness. Okay. Awareness is like a bucket filled with sensory information that you are conscious of. And this bucket is fed by a device that constantly scans what is going on. All right. So if you're only conscious of what's going on in your brain, it means that you're not scanning what's happening outside of you. The the third step is the inclusive and authentic attention part. And attention is the mechanism that guides which of the inputs you pay attention to. Did you just hear my stomach growl? growl? I hope not. Um, Sorry, going back. In mindfulness, we learn to observe what is happening, who is involved, and when and where it happens. So you're really, really being aware. So being aware means you've noticed something, all right? And then the third step is basically you pay attention. So you choose to focus on what you've noticed. And the fourth part is non-judgmental acceptance. You observe thoughts, emotions, physical sensations without the need to evaluate or change them. And I think this whole topic of non-judgment, of being non-judgmental is huge. So I guess we should do a separate episode on that once. Okay, so before we end this episode, I will read two new reviews. Yay! Alright, so both of them are from the U.S., Number one is from U3116KJDTFH. Um, thank you. It says, stumbled upon, started listening, glad I did. Nice mix of relaxed, personable, easy listening, grounded information, nuggets to get me thinking in a good direction, and tidbits to start applying practically to my life. Thanks. Well, thank you, complicated username. All right, then the second is also from the U.S. 
and it's from amsmith1009. It says, I've spent the last several weeks going through the archives of the podcast, and I have to say that Kristen does a great job of relating positive psychology to bettering ourselves and our lives in simple but effective ways. Her interviews are with some of the leaders in the field and are always interesting and insightful. I'm always interested to hear what she has to say. Keep up the good work. Hey, thanks so much, Am Smith. Um, I'm always, I mean, I, I obviously love all my listeners, but I'm always really, really honored when somebody goes through the trouble to listen to, you know, several episodes and really think about them. That's, that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to give you something that you can think about and apply in your life. So it's really cool when people think it's worth it to you know do it and go back and not just hang on to the most recent episode i'm very honored and grateful for that so all right well have a wonderful week and talk to you soon bye-bye if you enjoyed this episode you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on itunes or stitcher we would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com for show notes and more head over to www.strengthsphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.